Welcome to the Manifestation Lab. This is your host, Kelly Howe. From the grounded science to the mystical and unseen, we're investigating this big experiment we call life and finding what really works when it comes to manifesting a life that sets your heart and your soul on fire. Welcome to the lab. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Manifestation Lab. Today, my guest is Brian Grijalva. Brian is someone I met only one time, but was so resonant and most definitely has to be someone, maybe soul family, someone that I've known before because it was an instant connection. Brian is a holistic healer, a psychic, a spiritual teacher, and founder of the Sacred Circle Healing Center in El Segundo, California. I had a referral from a couple of different people to go see him and um, had some plane tickets I needed to use. So I took a trip out to California, went and visited my favorite uncle. And if I have other family members listening, don't get jealous, guys. (laughs) But I went to see my Uncle Tommy and um, made a trip to go see Brian while I was there. He is a phenomenal healer. I've been dealing with some old stuff and I've done so much healing work on it, but Uh, I had this really strong referral and really just had an intuitive feeling that I wanted to go see him and work with him. Brian has a really interesting mix of tools that he uses, you know, as a psychic and as a healer, he uses very deep tissue. I would call it massage and manipulation mixed with energy work and chakra work. And also he's sort of getting into your energy and feeling, sensing, picking up um, intuitive hits on what traumas might be in your past that are still creating the patterns that you're working through now. And I have to tell you, I had a huge breakthrough with him. We talk about that in the podcast. Um, But before we get into that, I really wanted to talk about something that I was going through as we were planning that podcast and we, or I'm sorry, we scheduled the podcast. And when the day came, I just did not feel like myself. And actually for the couple of days before that, it was like, no matter what I did, I could not get in my body. I felt like I was floating above my body. I was extremely tired and I was having these emotional outbursts that felt like grief and felt like this immense sadness. And it really felt like lost energy. I could not for the life of me figure out what it was. You know, I'm used to feeling that kind of thing every once in a while. And I was using my tools. I was putting my feet on the earth and getting grounded. I was talking to my spirit guides. I was using essential oils, drinking lots of water, trying to eat healthy, going for walks, and literally nothing that I would do was helping me feel better. So I actually had thought maybe I would need to reschedule my conversation with Brian, which I did not want to do because I was so excited to talk to him. Um, And I you know, pulled some cards, connected to my guides, and they said, hey, no, you're going to be okay. Just go ahead and do this. And so we went ahead with the conversation, but I did not feel like myself. And we talk about that in the episode. And um, I wanted to share what happened after that because it was very much connected. So I talk about not being in my body and not being able to figure it out and kind of feeling annoyed with that, but also, you know, surrendering to it. Well, a week later, um, my golden retriever, Zelda, who was eight years old and until that day was like very happy and healthy and, you know, seemed perfectly fine. Um, started getting sick and she started throwing up and wasn't really acting like herself. And after just a few short days, she passed away suddenly. And we found out that she was in fact dealing with some kind of um, aggressive leukemia, possibly lymphoma, maybe both. And I had no idea. 
And this moment, this huge trauma that my family went through was really earth shattering for all of us. And I know that people go through, you know, losing family members and um, the amount of grief that I felt really felt equal to when I lost my dad, which sounds wild because it's a dog, but oh my God, we loved her so much. But I wanted to talk about some of the things that I went through and I started thinking about it. You know, I was communicating with my Align membership, um, which by the way, I have made the decision to leave the doors open to that at all times. I have tried to make it where it was open like here and there once a quarter and it just wasn't working for me. It didn't feel energetically aligned. So now the doors are open all the time. So if you're looking for a community, the Align membership is open. I would love to have you in there. And if you're looking for information on that, it is at www.kellyhow.co forward slash align. And I would love to have you in there. But back to my original point, I had sent the Align members an email and really talked about what I was going through. And I think I'm just going to read that for you guys today. Um, A, just to kind of show like, this is the kind of communication that I have with my members. We talk about real life stuff. Each month we choose a theme. And this month we were talking about boundaries. And after I lost Zelda, it was so destabilizing. Um, and I really I needed to make the decision to reschedule one of our monthly meetings. Um, so I want to just read this email because I think the message inside of it is really, really important right now and really always. And it does really align with setting courageous boundaries. And um, I think it just might be helpful for those of us that are moving through grief and experiencing things like that um, and having huge shifts and emotional breakdowns. Okay. So here's where the email starts. It says, it's been a rough few days. And if I'm honest, I'm a bit of a mess today. As much as I hate to do this, I'm going to reschedule our Q&A tappy hour for this Thursday at 2 p.m. Last week, our sweet golden retriever Zelda stopped eating and clearly wasn't feeling well. We didn't worry much as she is a chronic sock eater. Yes, she ate socks all the time. And from time to time, she would go through cycles of not feeling well until she, well, got rid of the sock one way or another. In the past, she would expel the sock from one end or the other and bounce back to her normal, snuggly, loving, and ornery self. This time it was different. Zelda quickly got worse. And after two trips to the emergency vet, Zelda passed away yesterday as I was gathering my family to say goodbye to her. It was shocking and devastating to lose her so quickly and we are all tending to our broken hearts. It turns out she was hit with an aggressive leukemia, lymphoma, some kind of aggressive cancer, and it took her down quickly and seemingly out of nowhere. I wanted to share what was going on for a few important reasons. One, sharing our experience is therapeutic and helps us process through our inner experience. I found myself not wanting to, quote, bog you down with my sorrow, but also realized it is so clearly part of my old story an inner story, and a wired-in nervous system reaction to holding back my own pain to minimize someone else's pain. There is certainly a time and place for that, but chronically, this leads to emotional shutdown. And since this membership is all about authenticity and honoring the truth of our personal emotional experience, I wanted to be real with you and what is what I'm going through. Chronically pushing down, hiding our experience leads to blocks, blocked energy, blocked emotion, blocked manifestation, blocked intuition, blocked flow, blocked connection to ourselves and to the divine. Long-term, it leads to more suffering. 
too much of the world is perfectly curated to show the highlight reels. And I've never signed up for that to be that person. Two, so often we deny ourselves and shut down our emotional experience by comparing that experience to others. Brene Brown named this, quote, comparative suffering. The idea that someone else is always in more pain, so therefore I should shove this down and be, quote, okay, I should be fine because they're suffering. This also shows us the flip side as judgment towards other and their experience. If you were taught comparative suffering as a child, you likely will judge your own emotional experience and likely will find yourself judging others who complain about what they are going through. If it is so-called, quote, less than, less intense than your own experience. I most certainly learned this growing up and I can say firsthand that undoing this pattern will set you free to just be, to just be who you really are in your experience. As always, we need to be discerning about where we share and be mindful of others and their experience and also be sure to find safe places to be in our own experience and allow it to be what it really is without censoring, without stuffing it down. The aligned community is just that place. Three, this month's theme is all about setting courageous boundaries. This means boundaries with others and boundaries with ourselves. I went back and forth on whether or not to cancel today's Q&A tappy hour and reschedule. I worry about disappointing you all, letting you down. I also imagine that some of you have this on your schedule and it might be irritating for me to not show up when I said that I would, and that might spark some frustration. I'm afraid that there might be someone upset with me. If this is the case, Celebrate noticing your relationship to that reaction and tap. This is part of the story as well. Start to journal times when others have let you down, other times that you were frustrated, etc. You'll have a map for the future tapping and deeper healing. If you're triggered, this is just showing you something. This is the choice we're always facing when carving out boundaries. This is why it is hard, why it can be so hard. Loving people don't want to hurt others or let them down, period. This is why we have to work through fear and, and choose courage. Choosing sacred selfishness at key moments will actually benefit those around you more than chronic sacrifice. Is there sacred sacrifice as well? Absolutely. And I don't mean that in an animal sacrifice kind of way. My point is when we break the chains of programming that says, I always need to choose the well-being of others over my own comfort. We reclaim both sides and we can find a new balance. We tune into our higher guidance and choose what is right from a sacred place within. In case you're a nerd and like to look at a lot of definitions too, here is the definition of sacred according to the Cambridge Dictionary. Sacred is considered to be a holy and deserving respect, especially because of a connection with God. You are an extension of God, universe, source, energy, and your experience is deserving of respect. The beautiful thing I notice is that when we start to respect our need for boundaries and really holding a new energy around it and saying, yeah, I choose to be selfish right now. I need to do that. And there is no need to defend it. Other people show up and mirror that respect back to us. And the battle starts to fall away inside and on the outside. Four, I truly believe that in moments of loss, we also subconsciously experience the pain and loss from the past. Anything left unprocessed is brought to the surface, which amplifies the current grief. As I watched my sweet Zelda quickly decline, I was flooded with memories of watching my mother-in-law, Donna, and my dad go through their journey with cancer. I feel it coming up again. 
the helplessness, the fear, the uncertainty, and the grief is all drawn to the surface while I experience this again. It sucks. It really sucks. And it hurts. But there is also an opportunity glimmering below the pain. There is always that opportunity underneath it. As the pain is broken loose from where I had held it inside at the time, it is allowed to move and release. The earth is shaken and what was previously frozen is now in motion. The memories that were brought forth are showing me where I can go deeper with my healing on my experiences with shock, loss, and grief. You see, if we are practicing comparative suffering, we fight that energy that is trying to move through us and release. We are unknowingly battling against our own healing, and we miss the opportunity to let go of what has been long forgotten in our mind, but lives on in the body. I am allowing myself to be truly cracked open and taking the opportunity to heal through the pain. Again, it takes courage, but I'm worth it. And so are you. Well, that was longer than expected, (laughs) but I do feel lighter in writing this in the email. I'd love to see you and connect Thursday, and I hope this is helpful. All right, that was it. That was really, really long, but I think you can see the point, right? Part of why I wanted to share this is because yes, sharing what we're going through is so therapeutic, but so many of us, so many sensitive souls learned that comparative suffering and learned to just freeze their emotional energy for the sake of others, right? But we have to learn to release and that opportunity is always there. I lost my dog. My heart is broken. And it also was this huge opportunity to heal pain that was still stuck inside me, still very much viscerally felt with the loss of my dear, sweet mother-in-law and my dad. So I just wanted to share, choose boundaries, guys, take care of yourself. If you are not feeling off, I'm sorry, if you're feeling off and you don't know why, there may be some reason. I didn't realize it at the time, but as an empath, I now recognize that I was likely feeling a lot of what was going on with Zelda. And I was also preemptively starting to move that grief through my body. I didn't understand it until looking back, right? Until zooming out and being like, wow, I see what happened. Um, so I hope that's helpful. And this email, this whole experience moves perfectly into my conversation with Brian. He is such a lovely healing presence just in who he is. And every time I'm around him, I mean, I've only physically been around him one time, um, but talking to him, it's like, I I really feel that safe um, space that he sets. And I just really think you're going to enjoy him. He has an upcoming book. I'm not sure when that's going to be released, but he says he's um, finishing that up. And he's also working on some retreat for men coming up, hopefully in the next year or two. And I would love for you all to stay tuned for that because I think this man is a huge healing presence. I think for men specifically, he's going to feel safe and also going to be a kick in the ass and really have them look at that transformation dead in the face and say, yeah, let's do this. Right. So here's my conversation with Brian Grijalva. I really think you all are going to enjoy this. So good to see you. Likewise. How have you been? <laughs> you know what? I've been really, really doing well. I have to admit, the last week 
I mean, maybe like four or five days. I just feel so off. I don't know what it is. Um, but you know, I'm doing all the things. I went for a long walk today and put my feet on the earth and did some essential oils and I've been drinking lots of water and tapping and meditating, you know, I'm like doing all the things and I just, so, you know, it is what it is. Do you ever have times like that when you're just like, I have no idea. More often than I'd like to admit, of course. I know. Right. That's how I feel. I'm like, but I figure for the podcast, we might as well just admit it. Like even when you're decently quote unquote good at taking care of yourself and like, and know a lot of the things, like there's still times when I just have to kind of surrender to it. Yeah. I don't know if it's like earth energies or planetary stuff or, you know, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think also it could be a combination of all of the above, right? I mean, and you know, also we're people first, we're spiritual beings having a human existence. And so, you know, sometimes shit happens. And we right. just don't Hands feel up right. in the air like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't exactly. know. Just letting go into it, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, let me turn these things off. Jeez. No, go right ahead. Um, I was having some technical difficulties this morning. And, uh, mm. well, I mean, that's, I say this morning as if that's an isolated incident. It happens all right. the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I feel like there's... The, the better the technology gets, the more possibility for user error <laughs> there is. And then I find that people that like have really big, great energy, just the technology glitches. Mm. I don't know. When I'm in sessions with people, it does all the time. Like right when they start to get emotional, it's like <laughs> and it freezes up. So who freaking knows? Oh, 100%. I had a, um, oh, what is he's like some sort of computer engineer tell me something about how electronics, how they are affected by energy. And so that's, that happens all the time. Yeah, I totally believe it. I, I don't think like originally when I first started doing zoom sessions, I didn't, I didn't believe it, even though I was seeing it, but now it just happens so often. And it's always when I'm always like, Oh, that's the thing we need to go for because it's like technology is fine, fine, fine. Video is fine. Audio is fine. And then all of a sudden they start talking about something and it's like, you know, and it's freezing and glitching. So I'm like, okay, there's something there. There's there's an emotional charge there that we're going to look at. I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm using the computer here in my, on my front desk because the one in my office decided to just not work today. So, okay, I'm just going to go with it. Here I am. Gotta love that. I feel like my brain computer decided not to work this morning, but but we're on board. We're on board. I pulled some cards ahead of time and I was like, all right, guys, you got to tell me if I need to reschedule this. And they assured me like, no, you're going to be good. Okay. You guys are going to be good. Okay, so, great. Yeah. We're good. Great. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I mean, I've only met you that one time. Can you believe that was already like four months ago? I mean... Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Time is doing bizarre things. But I met you that one time and there was like just this amazing resonance where you feel so familiar. And so um, with people like that, you know, I I like to stay connected if we can. And I think that you are a very interesting person. And I think that I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your story and like how you ended up where you are. So why don't we go ahead and start there? I'd love for you to just kind of start with telling people what it is that you do for a living. Sure. (laughs) Or maybe not even for a living. What do you do in life? (laughs) What am I I doing with myself? No, you know, absolutely. And I, on the first thing, yeah, absolutely. You know, meeting you for sure. It's like, yeah, we 
you know, that's what old souls do when we connect. We just know each other and soul family. We just, you know each other. So it's very familiar. So yeah, absolutely. 100%. So, you know, yeah, it's kind of hard to explain sometimes what I do because it's, you know, it's kind of a collection of quite a few things. Um, so I generally give it the the, the title of, of holistic healing, right? Because how do you explain treating the whole body, you know, the whole person, you know, the spiritual, the emotional, and the physical simultaneously? It's difficult to describe. But, you know, I generally describe myself as psychic, holistic healer, and, and facilitator. That's kind of what I do. Um, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I knew you were a holistic healer, but it was very clear when I got there that you did have that psychic element. Um, but one of the things that I loved about your session was that it did feel like it was like hitting all the zones and you were definitely doing some kind of psychic reading. We're going to talk about more of that here in a second, um, all the way through to energy work and really deep tissue massage, or I'm not sure how you would describe that, but it really did like hit mind, body, spirit in all the zones. And I think that's why it felt so very deeply restorative. And um, I think one of the things I wanted to ask you about now, I know not, I think, but was when you are, well, first I want to ask, how does your, how does your psychic vision work? Um, Cause I know it's different for everybody. How does that work for you? Yeah. You know, so it's interesting. So I, I synchronize my body with the person I'm working with. And so it's like a very deep form of empathy. And what I do is I actually feel on my own body a whisper of what is going on with them. And it's a series of emotions or images or sometimes it's auditory. It's kind of, it's never, it's not a clear formula. It's just like whatever comes. It's more of art, I see it, than a science. Um, and, you know, I do feel pain. I do feel restrictions. I do energy blockages. And it's, um, it's very interesting because, you know, just yesterday I had someone come in that was experiencing pretty debilitating pains. And it took me a second because I started to synchronize with him and I went a little too far and I started to lock up on my own body. So it's, it's trying to find that happy medium sometimes and, and just using it as kind of a diagnostic tool to really understand what's going on. You know, then there's other things that come up, you know, there's, you know, I, I try not to understand it. I just try to stay out of the way. You know, it's like you turn the light switch on, you flip the switch, the light turns on. How it works, electrons and, and capacitors, or what, I don't know. I just know you do this, the light turns on. And so I know when I'm trying to synchronize with someone, I don't try to understand it. I just let it go and try to stay out of my own way. You know, that's kind of the simple way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that explanation. Do you ever connect with people before your sessions sort of intentionally or unintentionally does that energy kind of sync up sometimes mm -hmm. yeah sometimes i try not to because i like to stay in the moment i like to really be and you know more than anything i like to be wrong i like to know that i'm i'm off so we can correct that because mm -hmm. that's you know there's all kinds of images and so for example it's kind of like um the way i explain this is like a uh, the radio right the radio is receiving radio frequencies and sometimes those frequencies get disrupted by something else. And that's kind of how I feel it. So if I'm synchronizing with you and understanding and reading your energy, sometimes you're thinking of someone else. And I 
mistakenly read their energy through you. Mm. And it's like kind of like a, you know, I call it anchoring. Uh, if I read you, I can read anyone that you know based upon how you've experienced it. Sometimes mm. it gets a little confusing, especially when it comes to mothers. Mothers come in and I start reading their children. I'm thinking, well, this isn't, what is what am I looking at? And it takes a little while to correct so I know which kind of which thread to pull. Sometimes it's a yes. little bit, it gets a little confusing. Oh, I can imagine that gets very confusing. <laughs> I've I've gotten better about it, but I I sometimes connect with people before before I see them, specifically if if it's a first time that I've that I'm working with someone. And I've gotten better about it and I really set my intentions like I don't really want to do that. Um but again, there is that element of surrender where I feel like sometimes it's just, you know, it is what it is. And um, it it is fascinating how I will start to feel things like maybe 24 hours before someone comes in and I can't figure out what it is. And actually, I was just thinking, I'm like, maybe it's this new client that I'm getting ready to work with. Ah, I don't really want to pick up on stuff that quickly. But um, anyway, maybe it gets easier and better to figure out how to like separate from that. I think I have gotten a little bit better about it, but it can be, it can be overwhelming sometimes to yeah. go connect too deeply and do it unintentionally, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, when you're trying to separate, I, I hear exactly what you're saying because sometimes they're not here. You're not, it's not in your periphery and yet you're feeling these series of emotions and, and things that are not your own. And it's hard to decipher where are they coming from? So, and you're trying to keep it, trying to stay present, trying to, and that's why I don't like to read someone beforehand, just because it gets really confusing. You know, the only time that I do that is when I'm doing a workshop. If I'm doing a workshop and there's a lot of people, I will try to sit with it for a minute just so I can get a kind of a general overview first, just to help orient myself so I don't get lost. So if there's too many people in a room, who knows what's going to happen? Right, 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 right. That's, that's a lot. You know, one of the things that I loved about your session, which I've already mentioned, is the fact that you brought in also the very physical piece of it. And I wanted to talk to you about this because a lot of times people do a lot of energy work. I love energy work. And I believe that working with the physical body is still energy work. So I don't think it's separate, but sometimes it kind of gets left behind the physical touch and like the deep tissue massage part of it. And I'd love for you to talk about why is that as important as just doing like the upper chakra mindfulness work? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it is. Energy work is physical and it is all, it does all those things. But the interesting part is when it, especially when it comes to trauma or when it comes to these deep rooted injuries that are stuck in the body, you know, we can, we can run energy, we can break through blockages, you can do all of those things but the tissues are still bound up. And so when you release the tissue with the energy, then it really facilitates the healing. You know, there's a, so many, I, I'm working a lot right now with a lot of victims of sexual abuse. And unfortunately, touch is a very scary part. And so part of the therapeutic process is working through touch in a safe, happy, healthy way. And reintroducing healthy touch is huge in and of itself without even the energy work aspect of it. Just the physical touch is so healing. And when you're doing both, you can really open things up. We store emotion, not just in the brain, but we store it in the body. And that's where we really look at it. I mean, 
there are key points in the body. Obviously, the arms are big ones. Uh, the abdomen is another big one. Those are really kind of, they're more like the sponge that holds the emotion and the trauma in. So to help understand this, it's kind of like um, if you've been in a car accident and you broke your leg and you broke your leg and it's healed and years have passed and it's fine. And then you bump into the table and you your leg hurts just a little bit. Well, that little pain is now bringing forth that train of emotional trauma from the car accident. So that little pain becomes so much bigger than it needs to be. So mm-hmm. it's that same that same mechanism we use to heal, provoke it just a little bit and move the energy through, release the tissue, let it really heal. And that's mm-hmm. part of the that's part of the journey. This is where I think that physical therapy falls a little bit short. It's great and it's really amazing, but it's not the kind of fix all. And you know, no one thing is the fix all. Everything kind of has to overlap. And every person is complicated. Every person is their own being and what they feel we need to follow and go with that. Yeah, I think I can really relate to that, just needing the safe physical touch. And I don't necessarily have a lot of physical abuse from this life, but I kind of think that I carried some of that trauma in from past lives because I think from a really young age, I was like simultaneously starved for touch and also maybe a little bit afraid of it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. so I have I have sensed that there is some element of physical touch that really has been so important for my for my healing mm-hmm. process. But it's interesting because I can get kind of like swirly in my thoughts about it because I do believe that like if we change the energetic field, then that does affect our body, right? That it's like changing our thoughts, changing our emotions changes the field, and then that can filter through and shift the physical body. Mm-hmm. But I also have found times where it's like it just gets stuck and doesn't work. Right. Where it's like, because that tissue is so bound up, it's like, it just meets a roadblock. And so I've actually gotten in, I wouldn't say arguments, but I've gotten in like deep conversations with other healers about that. And they'll say like, no, but you just, you know, we just need to change the energy. And like, it's for me, I'm like, but there's something else. It's almost like the ten- the tissue gets so, so dense that there's a disconnect. Does that make sense at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the other part that we're, that we're looking at is you can think about it and you can you can hold the energy that way. But that's very yin energy. What about the yang? What about the action? What about the actual physical movement of it all? And I think that's where, I mean, I have done Reiki for, you know, 20 years. And it's one of those things that I absolutely love it. But it's not the tool that always works. Mm-hmm. It's about choosing the right tool from the toolbox. And sometimes that is the physical. And, and sometimes we really got to get in there. We've really yeah. got it. it. And sometimes it hurts a little. I mean, it's intense. Yeah. You saw it. It's intense work. Yeah, definitely. It was very intense. I mean, the way you described it was, you know, heavy handed and it was a very deep tissue kind of manipulation. And um, at the same time, it you do it in a way that feels very, very safe. And so, you know, and I think that there's like a gentleness to your energy that makes it okay that it's, and I, you can sense at any time that it's like, if this is too much, like I'll pull back. And, um, there's a, there's a beautiful energetic support that comes from you. That's very palpable. And I am very picky about who I let touch my body. 
<laughs> as far as like healers, and I've learned that lesson through the years, you know, I've had massage therapists touch me and it, and I walk out feeling worse. Like the massage feels good, but I walk out energetically feeling worse than um, when I entered the room. Sure. And, and you can, I you know, you can just tell when somebody is balanced enough to hold the space for whatever it is that you're releasing. And I do believe that there's a lot of like weird old stuff in my, in my tissues that you help to release. So just, it was, it was a really phenomenal experience. One of the things I wanted to talk about though, was the big emotional release I got after your session. And that was really interesting because, you know, it's, it, it was kind of like I expected it, but I was feeling okay. So I worked with you and then Natalie and I went and, you know, drove up and down the, the, the shoreline and did some fun stuff. And I felt great all day long, slept amazing, woke up in the morning and felt just a little bit like, you know, a little bit off, maybe a little dissociated or something, but, but kind of like, well, I'm in a weird hotel room. I'm not really sure what this is. And then all of a sudden I had this wave of grief come up like a tsunami. I mean, it was seriously like it just flew up from those lower chakras. And at the same time, you know, I'm used to, to emotional release because of the tapping and, um, so I just started tapping and really inviting that emotion to move through. But at the same time, I got this conscious awareness that there was some kind of grief release that was happening that felt in this. And I, I know I messaged you this and I was like, this is going to sound so freaking creepy. And I don't mean to creep you out, but I feel like you can handle this. But it felt like some sort of grief in relationship to your soul, like and that sounds so strange. And even now, like I don't feel it at all. So it feels weird to say, but it was so true and real in that moment. And what I was able to recognize with this was that there was this really old wound that I've carried definitely since I was a young child that just felt like, where are my people? You know, like, I know my family loves me. And I really did like, it was kind of a crazy environment, but like I had loving parents and loving siblings and, um, it wasn't necessarily an easy situation, but it wasn't like bad, bad, bad either, you know, but there was always this sort of longing and I think knowing since I was young that like my my people are somewhere and and they're not here and they, those were my people but not my not my soul family people. Sure. Um, other than I think probably my little sister, I think she's soul family too. And you know I know we're all deeply connected, so my family's going to listen. Their feelings feelings are going to be hurt. Oh, no. <laughs> and I don't mean it like that, but I did. I had this huge wave of grief and because it felt like I found one of my my people. And then, and then it was like, and then it was done and there was this loss and it's funny. I do feel a little bit emotional even again. So it seems so weird, but it, it felt like very divinely timed with a lot of different things and, um, just kind of a cool side effects, you know, little after healing that I got from that. So that's, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I think, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think you know, just like when you, you know, you go with your family and you're, you're with them and you don't want to leave them and you do because there's practical reasons for that. And that's that familiarity. When we get ripped away from that, it does hurt. And now, you know, with, with you in particular, without going to get into specific about it, but we opened up so many things and the body can only process a few things at a time. It really takes a little while. There's so, it's so subtle. And sometimes it does take a little while. I usually tell people after a session with me, tomorrow you're going to hate me and you're going to feel like you got hit by a truck because that's what happens. It's usually the next day when you really feel the huge release 
and you really start to understand what we just did. It takes mm-hmm. a while. I mean, we're working on so many different things at the same time that it does take a while for the body to even react and to understand what we just did. Yeah. So, yeah. I totally believe that. And I feel it. And I think for anybody listening, we can, we want to rush our healing journey sometimes. It's like we find a new modality or we find a new person that feels safe and helpful and we want to rush our healing. And I've been there so many times. But I love that you said that because it is a journey. And I really, I really believe now where I didn't maybe 10 years ago that if we did release it all at the same time, I think we would have a psychological break or it would be very likely that we would not be able to integrate it and it, it wouldn't be healthy. And there's a reason why we do this in pieces, because when you are releasing my tissues, you're releasing energies from this life, but God knows how many lifetimes where similar things happened. And, um, finally we're getting someone to like hold the space and help us to do that. So it is, it just takes time. It takes time. It does. It takes time. And I think there's, you know, you're, you're talking about something really important here. There's so much power in the subtle, right? Those subtle little changes that open up a whole new pathway. I think sometimes we're impatient. Obviously we're very impatient people. We want things done yesterday. Yes, guilty. (laughs) Right? And we want it done now. And I get it. I completely understand. But sometimes, you know, if you've been dealing with something your entire life, to have an eruption and have it fixed, have it healed in 10 minutes is actually not healthy for you. We have to let your body get used to it. I did a workshop many years ago where there was a woman that came in and she had a pretty severe um, shoulder issue. She couldn't quite move her arm. And so I brought her up is, and we did some work with her and immediately asked her to pick her, to pick her arm up and she lifted her arm up over her head. You know, there was kind of a, a, a gasp in the crowd, right? This, mm-hmm. this, wow. She got up, she looked at me and she looked at me with such anger. Mm. And she sat down and the rest of the workshop, she was just scowling at me. Mm. As soon as it was over, as soon as it was over, usually, you know, we end these workshops and we, you know, have a little meet and greet. We talk to people, we process, and then, you know, we spend we actually plan about an hour after. As the minute it was over, she ran out of the door. One had mm-hmm. nothing to do with it. And this is a common thing, because how dare I take this away from her? She wasn't ready to be the person with a completely mobile shoulder. So she is one of the people that we would have to work very slowly with and get very chisel away at it because too much was too much. That's too much. And so, you know, and a lot of times we identify with our illnesses or our limitations. We say, you know, even when we say things like, my cancer, my asthma, my arthritis, whatever, you're taking ownership of that and you're using that as an identifier for who you are as opposed to saying, this is who I am and I happen to have this thing. Mm-hmm. You're giving that thing space to be lifted out of your body. But when you take ownership and you say, my whatever illness, you are saying it's me, it's mine, it belongs to me. Don't take it away from me. You're clinging and holding. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, what I would speculate. I didn't have a chance to, to speak with her. I really wanted to talk to this woman. But, you know, 
the conversation would have been something around ownership of this illness and of this limitation in her joints. And, you know, we could have gotten a little further with it, but, you know, how dare it? And that's kind right. of the thing that happens. There's so much power in the subtle, small incremental things that your body can digest. That's where there's some real powerful healings there. And she never came back. Did so, you ever see her again? Never heard oh, of her. Dang. She never came to another workshop, nothing. And I'm and, oh. hoping one day she will. Maybe she's listening. Maybe she'll come to come back. Please come back. I want to talk about this. We can really help. Yes. You know, yeah. This happens. It happens often, especially with someone who's identified with their condition. I see it here, you know, pretty often, more often than I'd like. It's something that it happens. You know, it's I, this is my thing. Don't take it away from me. Mm-hmm. And it's such a deep subconscious grasping and yeah, holding absolutely right? and especially if they've built an identity around it if it's limited uh with uh you know their ability to work or the ability to participate in life you know we all know people who use their illness or their condition to get out of social situations or oh mm-hmm. sorry i can't go to your party i'm not feeling well or you know those kinds of things it has very little to do with the actual illness it's a social anxiety and that makes their illness so much worse. Yeah. And that's, and we give them a pass because we know. Okay, yeah. Fine. yeah. And I know people are going to be listening and cringing like, oh, oh God, but, but, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I, we, we just talked about this two days ago in my um, monthly membership, mm-hmm. the whole month we're talking about boundaries and doing exercises around setting energetic boundaries and um, tapping to feel safe so that we can actually set boundaries with people and have healthy confrontation and that kind of thing. And we talked about that, that we can hold on to these things as a way of setting boundaries when we're just inside, we just can't do it. Maybe it wasn't ever safe when we were growing up. Um, I mean, there's a million reasons, right? But it's like, we just can't say it. And then it's like, that's part of holding on to that illness or, or getting sick at key times. And I know that I still do that. And it's, it's like, even though I know I still do it at times, I at least can have a sense of humor about it. But look, at, look at that. <laughs> look what I just did there. You know, uh, I guess part of me really didn't want to do that. So no, absolutely. And it's, it is a big thing, especially, you know, I try to challenge almost everyone to get out of their comfort zones, get out of the comfort zone, especially if you're having issues with your own identity, right? If you're things in, if you're having a underactive sacral chakra and just, you're just not really feeling who you are, well then do something different. Get out of your comfort zone, do things that challenge you. Now I have a funny story about this. I, I was in Mexico recently and I went to visit a friend and he texted me and said, Hey, okay, meet me at the beach tomorrow. I signed us up for surf lessons. Now, let me tell you, I have lived 15 minutes away from the beach almost my entire life. I have never once wanted to go surfing. Never once. My brother surfed. All my buddies surfed. Everybody surfed growing up. I would sit on the beach and I would hang out. I did not want to get in the water. When he said this to me, I had immediate panic in my body. Immediate. That morning, my stomach hurt. My head hurt. And I just... And everything in my body told me, cancel it. Don't go. Just cancel it. Don't go. What was happening? I don't know. I even thought, did I have too much tequila last night? What happened? Right. Really having a moment. But what I did is I did the exact same thing that I advise everyone to do. 
sit with it, be intentional. And I put my shoes on and put my left foot in front of the right. And I went and I got there, took the amazing surf lesson. And I got up on my first try and I had a blast and I love it now. Oh, that's amazing. But you see, that's kind of how our body sabotages. You know, oh, you know, I could have very easily identified as the guy that doesn't surf. I'm the guy that doesn't. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And once we actually embrace it, get out of that comfort zone, we actually realize that fear that we've created is exactly that. It's a construct. And it could be a million different things, reasons why, from past life to current life traumas to something you saw on TV. It could be anything. But the truth of the matter is, is embrace the fear and go with it. Make yourself uncomfortable. Learn something about yourself. Oh, man, the growth that you get on the other side of that discomfort is worth its weight in gold. It's funny. I was just talking about this also with somebody the other day that I call it um, BERT. It's behavioral emotional resistance training. It's like. It's like you have to look at this challenge like resistance training. It you know you may not look forward to it, but if you can like work through it, then you get the strength on the other side of it. And um, and that's really helped me because I think I think a lot of people and myself included over the years, I kind of got this mixed message with manifestation where it was like if it's too hard or if there's too much fear, oh, I'm not supposed to do that, right? Like mm-hmm. it's and I, I hear that message a lot, like, oh, if you're pushing too hard, it's it's not what you're supposed to do. Which listen, I mean there are times when definitely we like push, push, push. Sure. But but there are these times when if we can just like make ourselves do it and work through the fear, then the exponential growth on the other side is just like Oh, you know, yes. so expansive, so yeah, expansive. Absolutely. And it's embracing and conquering that fear. You know, it's, it, I think sometimes we get stuck in that mode, especially when it comes to our, right? We come into that thing where I, I accept this limitation in my body, so I'm not going to do it. Right. And it's so much fear involved with what would happen if I didn't, what would happen if I push myself too hard. Right. And it's just about learning how your body works. And really understanding what your limitations are in actuality, because we make things up. Not Yeah, not just in our head, what exactly. we envision. Exactly. And so mm-hmm. try it. You know, something I try to tell people is try it, do it. And if you don't like it, even better, you've learned something. You've learned something about yourself. You know, I give this example a lot when I talk about, especially when I talk about the sacral chakra. You know, I ask people, everyone has the food they don't like. Something they just will, they find repulsive, right? And the reason that you don't like it is because you've tried it. You learn something mm. about yourself. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you never tried it, you would never know. So when we have that fear about, oh, that food, it looks a little strange. I'm not sure if I'm going to like it. Well, the only way you're going to know is if you actually try it. So go for it. Mm-hmm. Getting comfortable is not going to help you heal. Yeah. I do feel like the universe really rewards courage. <laughs> you know, it it feels amazing after we're courageous, even mm-hmm. if it wasn't a great experience. It's if we can lean in and be like, but I did it, you know, yeah. I yeah. conquered that fear. I yeah. did it anyway. Yeah. And yeah. So, okay. So what's your food? What's the food you don't like? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I am a strict vegetarian. And oh, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, not only do, if I see a, you know, a piece of meat with you know the bone sticking out. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. I can't do it. Like, uh, I can't. Yeah. Do it. I can't do it. Yeah. I, I try not to be dramatic about it, but I just 
to me, and I think to a lot of vegetarians, when we see meat, to me, that's no different than my dog. You know, a cow is the same as my dog or a chicken is the same. It, it's the same thing. I'm not going to eat him. You know, I love my onyx. Yeah. I'm not going to eat him. That's not something. I just can't do it. Yeah. So that, no, that's- I understand. I'm still a meat eater, but mm-hmm. I will say that my consciousness has shifted around it and I don't eat meat mindlessly anymore. Sure. Yeah. Every single time I do, I, there's yeah. like a prayer that goes on in it. Um, a gratitude and a, I'm open to not doing this anymore, you know, (laughs) kind of thing. Well, and I think there's no, there's a lot of judgment, I think behind it. I don't think that's, that has any place. I think we do what we feel is right for our bodies. You know, Mm -hmm. it is more difficult for women to be vegetarians. That is for men. It's just, yeah, I don't feel well when I don't have, I'm not sure if the meat helps me ground. I I don't know, but I do eat a lot less of it than I used to. I don't need as much, but for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I, I don't like to get stuck on that a lot. I think it's something uh-huh. most of my friends don't even know I'm vegetarian, which is really funny. That is funny. I don't like to, it's my personal choice about how I choose to live. And it's nothing I don't ever want to impose yeah. on anyone else. Well, it's kind of one of those things where it it's almost like talking politics or religion, <laughs> where it's like, it's such a hot topic. And it's like, guys, it's just food. <laughs> like, Everybody relax. relax. Yeah, we just have our preferences and not, you yeah. know not like go so dramatic, but absolutely. Yeah. It is funny how that's, that is a hot topic. Something last night, last night, I really, really do not like Boba. Oh, funny. No. Is it those like little ball things that are in the (laughs) bottom? Yeah. They're kind of like, I don't know. Imagine them to be like fish eggs or something. (laughs) I was with my niece last night and she was like, Oh, uncle, come on. We got to try this. Okay, I'll try it. Oh boy, I could not get through it. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I didn't need it. Just no. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I tried it. Yeah, yeah. My son, my son goes and gets it with his girlfriend, and I've tried it, and I'm always kind of like, okay. Like, I don't necessarily understand the draw to it because it does to me kind of like what I would imagine to eat like very large fish eggs. That's what it feels like. Ugh, yeah, I did tell my niece I thought I had squirrel poop in my mouth. You know, <laughs> <laughs> didn't work for me. <laughs> that's the secret: is that boba is actually made out of squirrel poop. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, that's what I tasted last night. Did not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> so, Brian, I want to back up just a little bit and ask you about how you ended up as a healer. Have you have you always been a holistic healer, or did you have a life before the healer. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's a good one. And so I come from a family of very intuitive people. That's just, it's very normal in my house. It was very, very normal thing. And so I've always done it since I was a child. I've always been able to read energies and pick up on, you know, emotions and illnesses and things. And I just thought it was normal. I didn't realize that other people didn't. And then, you know, somewhere along the way, you realize, why is everyone staring at me? (laughs) What did I do? What did I do wrong? And so there comes... Was it just talked about in your family? So you just didn't recognize that, like, no, not everybody talks like this? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I would often see apparitions. And then I would, you know, as a kid, I would talk to my mom about it. She said, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. It's just this. And it was very, like normal it wasn't like something that was not talked about and so 
you know, going to school and talking to other kids and realizing, oh, they think I'm crazy. Oh boy. Okay. Let me just not talk about this. And so you kind of keep it quiet. And then the funny part is, you know, teenage years are confusing enough. You don't need extra information. Right. But, uh, I, uh, I actually used to own an auto shop and I was very, very happy, uh, made a ton of money. It was great. It was one of those things that it was, it was self-sustaining. It was just, it was just easy. But uh, my sister, my sister started developing these really debilitating migraines. And it was so bad. I mean, poor thing. She just really, really suffered. It was, it was hard. And she called me one day. She was at work and she called me. She couldn't find, get a hold of her husband. She was, I mean, she was vomiting at work. She was really in a bad way. And I picked her up and I brought her to my house. And the only thing that she said would help was a massage on her neck. Now, I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't know what to do. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date myself here. Um, I pulled out the yellow pages. Uh, <laughs> yes, our younger listeners will not know what that is. <laughs> the yellow pages were a, it was a giant book of phone numbers, and I don't even think they make those anymore. I don't think so. I haven't seen one. Yeah. So, uh, so I get the yellow pages. I'm flipping through, looking for a massage therapist, somebody. And I went through every listing, calling everybody to try to get someone to come over and help her. And I mean, I was offering triple, I didn't care, just come help my sister. So in a long story short, um, no one would come out. I couldn't get him anyone to come out. Her husband called back. He picked her up and took her somewhere. And she felt better. But that night, I signed up for massage therapy school because I did not want everyone to feel helpless that I couldn't help her. Now, the crazy part, I went to a pretty bad school at first, and I kind of bounced around for a little bit. And then I found this holistic healing center um, just outside of Yosemite. And going there is a small school. They would only take about 10 students at a time. And let me tell you, cracked me open. Everything, wow. all the intuition, everything came flooding back in. And I've never looked back. That's amazing. Yeah. So did you just sell your auto shop? Like I closed everything down yeah. and I dedicated my life to doing this full time. Wow. Really see when you help people. Yes. When you were cracked open like that, was that something that the school was sort of intentionally taking you into? Or was it just that as you started following this path, you kind of, there was something that just remembered and was like, oh yeah, <laughs> let's open up to this. A, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Um, my master teacher, Thomas Ahern, was an amazing guy. Uh, I mean, he doesn't really practice very much anymore. He's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in retirement, but he really was, he knew how to teach. And I, you know, and now that I teach and I, I was a director of the school for a while, I modeled most of my teaching after his. It's very much like my work. It's intense. Get in there fix it and move on. And his teaching style was here, learn the material, commit to it and move on. And that was kind of really great. And on that, you know, it was all about Reiki and energy work and massage therapy and structural integration. I mean, all kinds of really incredible modalities that I learned from him, but that's really what cracked me open. And, you know, it was intentional, but it was also, Oh, I remember. I had forgotten mm -hmm. what it was like. You know, I shut that off in those teenage years. And yeah. it all came flooding back. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Did you feel like 
I mean, I would imagine you've been a healer in other lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Did it feel like you like were all kind of picking that up to like, oh, yeah, I've done this before. And so you could step into that even easier. Uh, absolutely. Especially when it came to things I, I found myself entering and tutoring the other students in, almost immediately. And I thought, wait a minute. I, what am I doing? It was actually kind of shocking that I understood it so well from the get go. It was like right away. And um yeah, it was it was almost like, yeah, I remember this. Mm-hmm. And and I have done lots of past life work around. And almost always there's some sort of healer, priest, something along those lines, always. However, I did do this is really fascinating. I did do a past life regression with my friend Ainsley and he uh, in this regression, it was looking for a past life where you are living according to your soul's intention and really doing what you're supposed to be doing and how that applies to this life. And in that lifetime, I was a baker and I was kneading the dough and I was doing this thing. And, you know, it was so vivid and I was singing and I was just really happy. And then I came out of it and I thought, how is that relevant to my life? I'm a horrible baker. And then you see, you got it right away. It took me a little while to realize that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you were you need our flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally, absolutely. And that's where. It oh my ended. gosh, I love that. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so I did. I did a. Um, I did a past life regression. One of his, uh, in his Soul World group. Okay. His monthly membership. That was similar. I mean, you know, probably that same kind of meditation. And I, like you, maybe you can help me figure this out. <laughs> I, like you, was like, what the hell is that? And how how is that helping me now? So I was like this gigantic, like muscular Samoan guy. I mean, type, like dark skin, um, like just big, thick muscles, probably not very tall, but like really strong. And I lived somewhere like in this little village and I was a I was the leader of kind of a crew of people that um built bridges and boats and like, you know, we just we worked on the beach all day and it was just a life of like kind of ease and um hard work, but sure. it was very fulfilling. I mean, it was amazing when I connected to it, I was like, that's beautiful. What what does that mean? Sure. <laughs> so maybe I don't know if you have any insights on that. Yeah, well, I mean. Maybe, maybe I think it's just too obvious, really. I think it's exactly what you're doing. I mean, you are living your life according to your the way you want to live. But you're also, you're literally building bridges. Mm. With this information, you're helping people get from one side to the other. You're helping really explain and help people understand what is going on. What is this whole woo-woo thing that's happening? And what is right. what is this spirituality thing? You know, I think, unfortunately, a lot of times we culturally, we shut down our spiritual connections. And, you know, you're literally building the boat for people to get into to navigate those waters. I mean, I think that's pretty. pretty I love that. Yeah, I love that. See, and it's funny because I I got yours right away. It was like, oh, I know how you use that because you used it on my shoulder. You needed the bread, but you were on my on my shoulders. But, oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean. I do have this passion for helping people see that it doesn't have to be all physical or all spiritual. And we can live a life where it's like all of the above and everything in between. And you can make it look like whatever you want, you know? 
I really thought when I stepped into this, I was like, someday I'm going to be this lady that's like only wearing neutral colors and like natural fabrics. And, um, you know, like I thought it had to look a certain way (laughs) and I would like have the dirty hippie smile and I love essential oils, but God, no. Not not just patchouli Uh, the whole time. Right. (laughs) Oh my God. So speaking of things I don't like, I actually have grown to love patchouli now, but, but when I first found essential oils, I was like, get that away from me. That is horrific. (laughs) And I have heard that when you don't like an essential oil, like it's something that you actually probably need. Sure. Um, And I think at that time I needed a lot of grounding energy, which is again, goes back to like why I needed more meat. (laughs) I needed something to ground me, but I love patchouli now, but no, I don't want to smell like that all the time. <laughs> Sandalwood. I grew up with hippies and sure. um, no, I don't need to smell like that. But yeah, I like had a vision of what a, what a healer looked like. And I, I was like, well, God, am I going to turn into that person? Okay. But sure. now I'm like, oh, I can look like whatever I want, you know? Exactly. That's it. And I think that's where we kind of gone to this weird, sometimes we get into this weird mode, this weird path. I'm not even sure how to describe it, where we feel like, Someone should look like something. They should talk like something. They should, you know, meditate for 20 hours a day or whatever, you know, whatever this is, you know, those are not reality. That's not reality. The reality is we are all spiritual beings, whether we want to be or not. We are. That's it. That's a long and the short of it. Period. Yeah. You don't have to dress and you don't have to eat and you don't have to pray a certain way. And no one can take it away from you. There is no gatekeeping here. You're a spiritual being as much as anyone else on this earth. And that's the truth. And that's it. And that's all period. We're not, there is no certain thing. And I, I think sometimes people are shocked when they come in to see me here. I've gotten people to say things like, Oh, you're Brian. They don't realize. I don't know what they're imagining. Some sort of monk or something or like big, big long hair. I guess, <laughs> I guess so. But you know, yeah, it's funny. I just got to envision like um, Johnny Depp, like the pirate. <laughs> I have no idea why that flashed in. <laughs> maybe, maybe that would be a better visual. Yeah, but you know, I think I think it's really funny. I think there's also that other thing where you know, I, I like to say this: I'm a psychic, not a saint. You know, yes, I like to drink. Yes, I do. Um, I like to dance. I like to have a good time. I like to have fun. There isn't yeah. this thing about, oh, you, you, oh no, don't enjoy a glass of wine. Oh no, don't, don't laugh too loud. Like, what are you talking about? We're right. human beings. We should live, you know, the most spiritual thing we can do is living in our authenticity. That's the most spiritual thing we can do. And guess mm-hmm. what? I like this. Team. Right. <laughs> I, Same. You know, yeah. and it's, it's one of those things. I think sometimes we, we believe that living a spiritual life is one of restriction and it's mm-hmm. quite the opposite. It's not It's living a right. life of fulfillment and really being our authentic selves. That's where really we can be. Spiritual. Yes. I love it. Preach. Yeah. I, that makes me think of, I was listening to somebody one time talk about the devil card in mm-hmm. um, Tarot, mm-hmm. right. And how like, obviously the, the darker shadow side of that is like, can be addiction. It's like the overplay, like going too deep into adult sure. indulgence that, but there is a light side to the devil card as well. I hate that it's called the devil card, yeah. but, um, and they were talking about that. It can be like the light side can be just living life to its fullest. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that 
like this earth is here as a playground. And, you know, I think the Aquarius in me really butts heads with any time people try to lay down rules yes. around how you're supposed to live your life. You know, sure. it's like, I instantly am like, all right, am, it really, is that how it's supposed to go? And I'm the same with alcohol. You know, I try to indulge responsibly and I really hate a hangover um, more than anything, but I really believe that that my soul this time around wants to live a life of like kind of all the things. Like, I think I've done the lives like you, like of being a a, a priest or probably a monk mm-hmm. and very restrictive, like smaller lives, you know, full in some ways, but not necessarily like full spectrum lives. And I think my soul this time is just like, let's do all the things, you know, let's work through all the fears, you know, it just, and, and anytime I try to like pigeonhole myself into something, I am not right. Like I, you know, it's like that when I do that with my eating. It's like that when I do that with um, certain activities or, you know, it's just, it doesn't sit right with me, like in a very, very deep way. And I've had, finally have come to this place where I'm like, I just think my soul doesn't want that this time. That's, that's I don't exactly. want to go sit on a mountain. Yes. Well, you know, yeah. And especially as, you know, the souls get older and the, we have limited time left. We want to enjoy, really thrive, go out there and really enjoy life. You know, going back to what you said about, you know, the devil card, right? I think a lot of that we have negative associations with that being that creature, whatever people call this. Not, I don't subscribe to that, but I, I understand what people talk about, you know, the darkness. But, you know, the, when we look at yin and yang, Everything in the universe is about balance. Everything. I don't care where you are in the cosmos or here on earth. Everything is about balance. And there's yin to the yang always. And so I think that kind of thing, when we learn to embrace both of them, we are a balanced human being. You know, I think sometimes we have this kind of confusion about negative emotions, right? They're there for a reason. If I were to slap you across the face, you should be angry with me. Right. Because that's yes. like the fire for you to survive. It's a necessary tool. If I slap you across the face and you laugh, you might be having a psychotic break. There's something not right happening, right? And that tells us so much about this. So a lot of times we think about, oh, only positivity, positive, positive. Well, that is not right. That's a corruption of it. We actually need to have balanced, balanced approach to everything. So embrace the darkness, have fun, embrace the light, do those things. Everything is about balance. Don't go too far one way or the other. I could not agree more. And I think that, you know, I think we've tried to do the stay positive. We've tried that Mm -hmm. and, and we're more disjointed than ever. And I really feel like the more we embrace this shadow work and recognize I am a whole human, I am meant to have those negative emotions. They're there for a reason. Um, And not to like have self-loathing around them or guilt or shame and just recognize what it is as a human experience. It is the most freeing thing (laughs) in the world. Like take out all the healing work. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you can just embrace your bitchy side and your selfish side (laughs) and your greedy side and just be like, well, look at me being human. I mean, that right there is like life changing. Yeah. Completely. And isn't that beautiful when you're actually being a human being? I mean, 
There is nothing more annoying to me than, you know, the stereotypical healer who's, you know, says namaste a little too much. Yeah. You know, I that. like to say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I'm going to stay over here. You stay over there. You stay away from me. I don't, I don't want to do that because it's so inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Nobody lives that way. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not, that's not correct. That's not a balanced way of life. And that's, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And in that same vein, that same type of person I have found is, is very caught up on the, like the words that you speak and the vibration of the words, which I believe, mm-hmm. however, I think the vibration of the word is, is small compared to the vibration of the person that's putting the word out. There we go. There so we go. I find that there's a lot of focus on saying the right thing, right. And like consciously speaking love and light, but like you feel that other vibration in there. And I want to be like, you're so angry and that's okay. Like, let it out. Let it out. Yes. <laughs> let it out. Tap it out. Right. Yes. Like, let's, hello, let's get it out. Um, Absolutely. And it's in, I mean, and I understand, you know, cause I, I kind of, I went down that path first too. I just found that it was very um, unfulfilling and I was like, something's missing. <laughs> Something like this doesn't feel real, you know? Um, but you, but you know, it's like, they just get caught up on the words. And if you just say the right words, but it's like, there's a whole energy behind the word mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is like begging to be honored and released. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing better than a well-timed F-bomb. I mean, that's just perfect. It really encapsulates so much emotion. And there's something very interesting here. I think a lot of women have been told since they were, you know, yay big to, you know, be seen, not heard. Don't voice your opinion. Be quiet. Do all these things, right? Be a, be a good little girl kind of thing, right? And then what does that lead? That leads to a lot of suppression of what you're really trying to communicate. It's a suppression of your truth. And so you should be angry about that course let it out embrace that bitchy side that you talked about do that of course it should be that and on the adverse side you know we've also told you know the masculine we pulled him um don't show any emotion the only one you're allowed to show is anger wait what what is happening so where is there is no balance it's gone too far one way and too far the other we have to bring things back and i think there's a lot to be you know a lot of healing around balance about, yeah, you know, there, there was a, I was in Bali a couple years ago. Something that I noticed is there's a lot of gray cloth wrapped around statues and just everything was a lot of gray. They use a lot of color gray and everything. And it was very interesting. So I asked one of the guys there, I said, what, what's the significance? And it was the best and the most sweet answer I've ever heard. He said, sometimes we do white, we do good. Sometimes they do black and it's bad. That's okay. And that was his answer. You balance it out. You, everything is great. You do some good, you do some bad. It's all going to be fine. Um, I love that so much. I can't even tell you. I, so, uh, okay. I love that so much. I'm very comfortable in gray. Like it's one of my favorite, like a good gray t-shirt. I have like a, a gray romper. It feels very, very comfortable to me. I have a son named Grayson. We call him gray. <laughs> And um, yeah, so I love that, but I've never thought about it being a very, a balance. And I'm, I mean, you're speaking my language. That is like what I preach all the time. It's like, let's just find the balance this time around. We've lived such extremes for so long. I do find that there is a different vibe right now with people recognizing 
I mean, obviously things are very disjointed in the world, (laughs) but I feel like in the healing world, I do feel like there's an awakening around finding that balance and balancing the masculine and feminine, the yin and yang. And absolutely. um, I find a lot of hope in that. I think it's, I really think it has the power to change the world. I really do. Yeah. I agree with you. 1 million percent. Absolutely. You know, something I'm working on right now, um, we're putting it together. We're almost done with this, but I'm putting together workshops for men. There's a ton of workshops for women. There's lots of retreats and things of the sort and 1 million percent necessary. Absolutely. But I think something that we're looking at is a lot of men have been the perpetrators of violence. A lot of men have really, really not done a balanced things. Mm-hmm. because I think a lot of men don't know what balance is. Not aware, not even aware, didn't think about, most men have been taught since they were little, don't show any other emotion, don't be happy, don't be... There was an interesting um, journalist who did a... Uh, I, kind of, I knew I wasn't talking about this, I would have brought up her name. She, she lived her life as a man for a period of time, you know, it was a week or two weeks, and she realized all of these insights you know she dressed like a man she you know walked around everything and she started to realize that she smiled too much and she was too happy too much and she was getting feedback from everyone else saying things to her like yeah you're smiling too much you're too happy because she didn't grow up with that same kind of masculine kind i don't even know what education i guess you would say you know about taking that away and it's something that almost all men who have been growing up with this sort of masculine edu- traditional masculine education, I guess I could say, is one of limited emotions, limited communication, limited not having the ability to access it or to really express it. Because shut up, we don't want to hear you. You can go punch the wall, you know, and if your team scores, you can punch each other. But right. Don't show genuine joy. Oh, and don't you dare cry. Don't you dare cry. Right. No. Oh, gosh, no. Absolutely. Right. And so, so many men that have been coming to see me the last couple of years, which has become way more than I think has ever been before in the last couple of years, been way more men. And most of the men really just need a good cry. Yeah. To be seen, to be heard, and then help understand how their behavior is affecting the world around them. And that's the really interesting part is when we look at balance and educating the masculine on what is true masculinity. And it's meant to, you know, be the, be the stone in the stream, mm. you know, not giving into the violence, not giving into, you know, and, and unfortunately a lot of men have been abused. And so that rewires the brain to make you think that, is that okay? And so they just perpetuates the cycle of abuse. So we have to heal that so that as men, we can hold each other accountable and to show that that's not how it's done. Let's try this again. Let's reset. But that starts with education. So yeah. something I'm working on right now is that. Oh, it's beautiful. I will be waiting for that. And oh. I, I talked to my husband as soon as I got back about how powerful my session was. And I told him, I was like, this is a healer I would send you to. And and I don't say that about everybody oh, wow. because you are grounded enough that I think you could 
he would, he would buy in. Whereas, you know, if, if people are too out there, sometimes he's like, wait sure. a minute, you sure. know? And I mean, I'm really out there. Like it, he's used to it. I have, I mean, I have a million psychic friends. It's not like not used to it, but I, I think that you, you have the ability to do that. So I will be looking for that information when it rolls out. It's really exciting. And you're right. We do it for women all the time. Um, and I'm with you. I, I feel like in the last few years, I've gotten more men into my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see in the men in my circles, including my husband, that there is kind of an openness to, okay, well, maybe this isn't working. Like maybe we do need to do this a different way. And um, so exciting. It is so exciting. And on the other side, I'm getting the women to like shout the F-bombs and scream yes, into pillows yes. and let them be angry. Yes, yes. <laughs> and they're always like, oh, wait, what? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sister, let's do this, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. And thank you for saying that. It's such an honor to be able to help. I mean, you know, to, to feel trusted and to be able to facilitate healing. I mean, you trusting you me with your husband is like huge. It's such a beautiful thing, you know, but, the, and that is that part. It's about learning to be grounded and learning to, cause it's not something that you're taught. I mean, it's not something that it's, or you inherently know, it's something you have to learn for yourself about what is, what works. And, you know, I myself, too, am a little bit turned off by the too far out there. Whoa, hold on. Scale it back a little bit. What are we talking about right now? And I have to really get, show me what you're talking about again, because I'm the biggest skeptic there is. I don't believe anyone. And, you know, it's just part of the, the thing. I mean, the very first Reiki class I took, I was the guy in the back of the room raising my hand, yelling, bullshit, bullshit. This is bullshit. What are you talking about? This is bullshit. And I went through the motions, did the meditations, did everything they asked me to do. I was trying, but in my head, I was still saying, this is bullshit. Right. Not bought in. Yeah. I felt it. There was one day where the whole class was laying their hands on me, running energy, and I felt an ant crawling on my back. And I figured, well, you know, you were out in the country. Sure, these things happen. And I figured, well, someone's going to pick that ant off my back, right? And then another ant and another one. And then before you know it, there was thousands of ants crawling all over my body. And that's when I realized, oh, shit, these aren't ants. (laughs) This is that energy thing they've been talking about. This is (laughs) cool. And that's, you know, that's what turned the moment on for me. But biggest skeptic, I think absolutely not. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. Yeah, I'm like perpetually open to everything, but also discerning. You know, and there are certain things, and I would say that religion very much falls into that category for me, where it's like I can sense that there are truths in all these religions, but I'm like, but there's a lot of this that just doesn't sit right with me, you know. Um, so I'll be open to anything. And I always say, like, people bring things to me, and I'm like, well, I can't rule it out <laughs> right now, but I'm gonna sit with that and see how it feels. And you know, if I feel called to learning more, I will I'll go deeper with it. But yeah, uh, that's isn't so that a honest. beautiful thing? To be able to like recognize and just discern mm-hmm. that feels right. I feel called to that. That feels like bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe it feels right for you and I'm cool with that, but I'm going to go over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, this is one of those things. I think there's, there's things that work and practices that work for people and it may sound crazy to others and that's fine. There is no judgments. There is what works for one person doesn't work for everyone. You know, I've tried to do ecstatic dance. Not for me. Wasn't your thing? It's not for me. I think, what are you doing? Like, I I don't understand. It's something that that's not the way it works for me. If it works for you, great. Knock yourself out. I'll try it. I tried it. Don't like it. 
It's no. I've never actually done it, but that reminds me that that was one of the things that you picked up on in my session was that my body was like needing to get back into a rhythm. And you said, you need to dance more. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Cause I got that same message a couple of weeks ago in meditation. And since then I've been really good about it. I've been going back to some dance classes and I'm thinking about even there's like this fitness dance class, which is so fun. Um, and I'm thinking about getting trained to, to be one of the instructors. <laughs> so, that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Good yeah. For you. I, I mean, I, I need to, I, I know that my soul is craving it. And so that was just such a beautiful validation in your session. And that, you know, like I said, it was such a great integration of so many different things. And you're like looking at my chakras and, you know, doing the psychic reading. And you're like, there's something that happened to you when you're eight years old that you still haven't integrated. I'm like, well, I don't know what it is, but that, that tracks, you know, that doesn't surprise me. Um, and then the, all the like really intense physical work released so much old energy. And just beautiful. Oh, I, I love it. it. Yeah. Such an I did want to ask you, mm-hmm. um, you know, we mentioned Ainsley, of course, Ainsley McLeod. And my listeners have heard me talk about the instruction. I'm just such a huge fan of his work. Amazing. And Amazing. Pretty much every client that comes to me, because I really know now, I'm like, if somebody comes to me, they're an old soul. And so this is going to resonate <laughs> and they can take it or leave it. But I pretty much recommend his work to everyone that comes sure. in now. Absolutely. And it's helpful, obviously, for me to know, like, what kind of soul type am I working with? And, you know, what what are the shadow aspects and what can we open up and all that? So sure. that makes it fun. But I'm curious, how did you and Ainsley meet? I know you guys are really great friends. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, there? I mean, he's my soul brother. I mean, we're so, we're, it's so funny. I mean, throughout the day, we text each other all the time. I've done that for years. Um, I met him. It was very bizarre. Um, and we have actually a different funny, we have a different version of the story. He remembers one way. I remember it another way. But it's generally the same. Um, he was doing, um, he was doing a TV show. And, or they were filmed trying to get this pilot off the ground. And the producer, I had met a few weeks prior at a party where I very mistakenly, um, there was a woman there who was very ill. And I can't remember how the conversation went, but I was trying to encourage her to go to the doctor. And it turned into this way bigger than I wanted it to be. I just was trying to tell her, like, go get some help. You need some help here. It turned- so did you, can I stop you really quickly? Did you... Like, did you pick up that she had something specific or could you just feel something in her energy? Yeah, I, I felt that she was very, very ill. And if she didn't get some help immediately, there was a, she wasn't going to make it. Oh, wow. So that's, I never, really, I, I don't like to do these kinds of things in a social setting, yeah. but it yeah. was so, it was dangerous. It was very, very necessary. And she opened up the conversation. So we ended up having this conversation. But it turned out to be much bigger than we expected because people were listening and then they start chiming in. And it just, it really got out of control. But our friend Monica, who was there, she actually, she saw this happen. So her and I became friends because of, because of this. And she was producing the show. And so she asked me to come up to go meet Ainsley and to, you know, help her film and whatnot. And and that was pretty much it. Wow! And uh, you know, he tells this story kind of funny. Um, you know, we, he picked us up from this. He does a air. He picked us up, and we get in the car. And uh, you know, my friends love to do this to me. They love to put me on the spot when I'm not expecting it. It's like, oh, and Brian, do this, or you know, whatever. They always put me on the spot. So 
our friend Monica put me on the spot. And she said, oh, Brian, uh, can you tell Ainsley what's going on with him? And so I did a reading with him while he's driving. And then we got back to his house later. And then I did some physical work with him. And we released this pain. It's gone. It was gone. It was out of his body. The next day, we're doing some filming. And he's working with someone. And then he, it was something that was a physical issue. And so he said, oh, maybe, Brian, you can help. And I was behind the camera. And it, I didn't even comb my hair that day. It was kind of like, and so I was trying to comb my hair and like went in front, I did some work. And that's, that was kind of the, the final nail in the coffin of our friendship. It just oh, solidified it. That was it. And we've been that's friends awesome. ever since. Two peas in a pod. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love his work so much. Isn't it great? I just can't like get enough of it almost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm uh, such a huge fan of his and he's really, you know, he's been instrumental into me really doing what I'm doing now, my healing work. It was really, I always did things very, very quietly. I like quiet. I like to keep things slow. But, you know, he's really the one that's pushed me into doing these workshops and doing these things with him. And he's really, I mean, it's its because of him that I'm really doing this. So, well, the world needs more, Brian. Yeah. I, can, I can back you up on that for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's exciting. Are you going to do any online workshops or anything? Or is it all just going to be pretty local in California? Um, yeah, so there's a couple of things we're working on. I, I can't really say anything yet because I don't know details about it yet. Okay. Um, but we are going to be doing um, uh, these men's workshops are going to be here local in LA for now. Um, and then I'm always doing, you know, local things here at my at my place at the healing center. Um, and that's, I don't really have anything else planned right now. Yeah. Oh, I loved your office. Oh, I, thank you. I mean, I wish you were closer. Obviously, it's just a big, long flight away. But <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, you're welcome yeah, I, anytime. I would love to come back. And I will, like I said, I'm planning to bring my husband back. Okay. And El Segundo seems like such a great area. I had never been to that part of LA. Yeah. And it just, I really like the vibe there. So yeah. I think we'll be back and I'll get, I'll get you working on my hubs. He's this okay. big, beefy guy. So okay. you'll be able to One of my specialties. One of my specialties is big dudes uh yeah. professional athletes i often get the uh the the call that says hey um no one else is strong enough to do this can you do it come on in i got you come on in bring it yeah <laughs> yeah i love that well your hands are incredibly strong and um i i really look forward to the time when i get to send him into your office and then be like okay what'd you think what happened <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe the next day he'll be crying like I did. Sure. And, you know. Well, if we teach him how, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, I think he's on his way. It's great. You can see like for men, it's just, like you said, it's, it's so old. It's such an ancient wound. And actually I was going to ask you about, um, I don't know why specifically this came up, but you were talking about, you know, men suffering abuse, really anybody. And how does that, like, do you see generational abuse show up in the, in people's physical bodies? So I, that's one of the things, you know, I brought up with my bodies, like I don't, not to memory, I don't have any like sexual assaults or anything like that, that I'm aware of, but I do have this sense that maybe it was like a generational energy from like maybe my parents or their parents. Do you see that? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it's hard to say because there are very there's there's key there's there's markers, right? When someone comes in that has sexual abuse, for example, it's one of the that's a big one. You know, physical mm -hmm. abuse is another one, and they're they're equally traumatic 
And that what we're really looking at, I'd like to put everything in the same category, is anything that's derailed you from your typical life path. If your plan was to go this way and you were abused, well, you go that way. And it, it's, it all depends on the intensity. And the problem here is that generally the person who's doing the abusing, they were abused too. Uh, yeah. And so it warps the mind and it warps what you think is appropriate. And even though you know it's wrong or you, you, it's in there somewhere, the fact that that's what you experience and you think, well, that's what I experienced and I'm fine. So what's the problem, right? There's something weird there. And so we have to interrupt that cycle wherever it comes from, whether it's generational, this lifetime, past lifetime, I, I don't care where it comes from. We do have to interrupt. That and a part of that is taking ownership, understanding what happened to you and understanding and being able to communicate about what's going on in your own psyche and in your own body, and then recognizing how to behave going forward. I don't believe that anyone is beyond redemption. I don't believe that. Okay, I, I'm going to say this um, very carefully. I believe that there's second chances for everyone. And that's something that we have to recognize that people make mistakes and they cause horrible, horrible wounds. Absolutely. And the best attempt to help heal that and facilitate healing for everyone involved including the abuser, which sounds really weird to even say it, right? But yeah. there's a lot of people who are hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. And we have to look at how to help facilitate everyone's healing without them. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I know that's going to be hard for some people to hear. And, and I feel, I feel it too, <laughs> you know, where it's like, oh, is it? Yeah. But, but to your point, it's like we, there has to be an interruption in the cycle mm -hmm. And shaming and rejecting and incarcerating mm -hmm. doesn't break the cycle. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually change what's happening. Exactly. And so I was just listening to um, a different podcast where they were kind of going off on a tangent and talking about how there should be like people that are leaving incarceration. There should be like a rehabilitation period after that to like reintegrate them into life. And, and while they're incarcerated, like mm -hmm. doing healing work. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, so it's it's hard. It's a it very is. very like higher perspective thing, but I I I do believe that. I think that yeah. cycle needs to break, and that comes with compassion and love, mm -hmm. with rejection, guilt, and shame. Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't it mean hard. that it was okay. It doesn't mean that those things were no, okay. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. at all. No, there needs um, to be there needs to be repercussions. Absolutely, yeah. and healing yeah. all around, but. If we focus on interrupting the cycle, that means we have to have those messy conversations. How to get messy? And I know it's. I know a lot of people are not going to like this, and it's. Hell, I don't like it. I don't like doing it, but it needs to be done. And it's right. something that you know. Unfortunately, I have worked with a lot of people who thought that you know beating their child is okay. They thought that because they were beaten. Right. Once you start to normal. unravel that and they start to comprehend what they've done. Now, they may not have been incarcerated. They may not have had anything wrong with it, you know, but their child hates them. And now they understand why. So let's mm -hmm. fix that so that you can try to make amends, if at all possible. And the victims may never forgive, and that's their right. 
And that is the right. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's also, you know, it's a very difficult, stressful thing. I mean, there's days where I go home and I have to throw myself on the floor and think, oh my God, what happened today? Because it's messy and it's gross. And when I'm synchronizing with people, I feel it. And it's yeah. weird. Yeah, I bet it is. But it needs to get done. But it needs to get done. Yep. It's yeah. so important. Mm-hmm. It's so important. I'm sure there's people thinking, well, what about this case? And what about this case? And, you know, that's that's not for us to tease apart. But mm-hmm. I think if you can just focus on the message of the cycle has to be broken. And, and also, like you said, and the people, the victims of these things, it is always your choice to be wherever you are in your healing journey with it. And if forgiveness is part of that, then that's great. And if not, then it is free will. And this is your life (laughs) and do you. And you you do what works for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there is, and that's the thing. I think there's so much judgment and victim shaming and these kinds of things. That is, there has no place in healing work. No place. It's, this is a person that has had this horrible thing happen to them. What can we do to facilitate their healing? And work with them. And it may take long. It may not. It depends on the person. But working with them without any judgment or attachment or preconceived ideas of what they should Yeah, it just I really hope that message makes it to more ears. And, you know, specifically around men that maybe can recognize like this person might actually be a safe person to go to for one on one sessions or for workshops. Um because so many healing circles, I think, wouldn't feel safe if understandable. You know. Understandably so. Understandably so. This is also why I'm really concentrating. I've done a lot of work with groups of women who have been victims of assault from sexual to physical, all kinds of things. And you know, that is I, I'm so honored to be able to be a safe man to work with them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love being able to do that. But over the last couple of years, I've started to realize and seeing there's been more and more men coming in who have been also abused. And and there's this weird energy around it. And there's this really weird thing about, you know, you get a bunch of dudes together, right? You get a bunch of dudes together and the conversations sometimes are a little weird. They're a little weird. And, and, and they're on the borderline of being grossly inappropriate. There's that, there's that line, that fine line. Yeah. And the over-sexualization of women and the over-sexualization of everything and just saying things that are just not okay, but that's mm-hmm. part of the masculine culture. And yes. so when we learn what we're actually doing and when we perpetuate these kinds of conversations, when we allow them, we give them space, we continue this negative energy. That is not that negative necessary that we talked about earlier. This is straight negative and harmful. So when we learn to recognize what is harmful and then how to hold our brothers accountable. Yeah. And that's where we start breaking the chains. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. And the, the ripple effect of that would be massive. Mm. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, Brian, this has been so fun. Thank you for kind of sticking with me as I, my brain kind of came back online about 10 minutes in. I was like, oh, I'm back in my body. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I've just, you know, like I said, I've been doing all the things yeah. and I'm like, who freaking knows? Well, you know? you know, what I can tell you is that in these cases, probably best to be gentle on yourself. Give yourself, if you what? be gentle on yourself. Oh, be gentle. Yeah. Just be gentle. Don't push yourself too hard. 
that might be a sign that you just need to take a nap and lay down for a little bit. It's okay. Whatever, you know, one impossible thing at a time, right? Just one thing at a time. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, I I do have a lot of, like, I don't feel particularly stressed right now, Mm -hmm. but I do have a lot of new projects kind of like in the newer phases and that are getting worked out. And so I think maybe just the, the new energy of that is sort of disorienting or maybe there's some sort of energetic upgrade that's, that's happening so that I can hold space for these bigger groups of people and that kind of thing. So I'm having, I'm hosting, co-hosting my first retreat in September in Mexico. So oh, that's awesome. Super excited about that. And it's been nothing but fun to work on it. It's like very energizing, but again, it's like that newness and kind of feels just a little bit disorienting. So I kind of wonder if that's, if that's swirling behind the surface, I do not know. Well, you know, <laughs> but I'm gonna I think some of that gentle. is that computer is still loading, right? Still circling, still loading. You're still loading. Sometimes it takes a minute. Cramming more information in is not going to help. Yeah, totally. Thank you for that reminder because I am a crammer. I love to just like suck in all the information if I can. It's like an endless thing for me. So thank you for that reminder. Sometimes you need to pause and just let your brain ah, finish downloading and reset. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being with me. And um, you definitely keep me posted on everything that is coming up. And I will share, 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 because I love what you do. I love your energy. And I think more more people, specifically men, will benefit from everything you have to offer. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Such an honor to be here. Thank you. And it's so good to see you. Yes, you too.